everybody, to sharpen that axe. Is he going to change the intro to the podcast? Not this week. A podcast no. dedicated. No. <laughs> a podcast <laughs> dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. I'm sure my girlfriend is sick of hearing that from the next room. Uh, I'm Dylan. With me, as always, is John. Uh, we are guitar enthusiasts, along with other things. John, you like a nice corn cob pipe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, not so much a corn cob pipe, but pipes. I don't know. Pipes. I, I've heard yes. corn, I've I've heard corn cob pipes are fine. But we'll I save it for our pipe cast. Our pipe. <laughs> 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 yes, John, John and I, uh, for those of you who do not know, uh, bonded over a love of all things guitar a few years back while doing an MA in musicology. And uh, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of beer and podcasts out there. So, and Chicharama podcasts. So we were like, let's just do one about guitars. Um, yeah. Another one of our shared loves. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so in this episode, we have the wonderful Neely Brush uh, back. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that interview shortly. Uh, Neely first joined us. I looked it up. It was uh, the November 3rd, 2017 episode. Good God. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, one of our very first guests. And it was great to have her back. Yeah, absolutely. Good to see her. So yeah, sweet. So we start our episodes, uh, our longer episodes, with the lick of the week, which is basically a a, a, a a tasty nugget of usually guitar of the rock variety, but sometimes not. And uh, each week, one of us has to guess what the other person has picked. So, uh, John, it is your turn. And if I'm not mistaken, for the last few licks that you have chosen, they've been pretty uh, significant in the history of, of rock and roll guitar. So we've done Chuck Berry, we've done Scotty Moore from Elvis, and we've done uh, f- from Elvis, El- Elvis the band, <laughs> Elvis Presley's guitar player, and uh, the Kinks, which, which was great, and we had a lovely discussion about that. So um, I wonder what's going to be next. So three, two, one. Okay, great, great choice. Okay. Uh, yeah. How have we not talked about this song before? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe because it is just so, uh, it's almost <sighs> omnipresent, I guess, in popular culture. Like, yeah, you know it is. Oh, yeah, it's that song. It, yeah. It's the song from the movie with John Travolta. And yeah. yeah. Of course. But, yeah. Um, of course, this is uh, Pump It by the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I <laughs> Yes, of course. Man, you know me so well. And you know your music so well. Yes, Fergie Ferg yeah. and me love you a long time. Uh, okay, this is, let's, let's cut to the chase. This is uh, Miserloo, I believe it's pronounced by Dick Dale. Yes. Mm. Why yeah. did you pick um, it? Well, so here's, here's what's really interesting about this. So, of course, everybody knows this as, um, as that song. It's just, it's the song from Pulp Fiction. We've heard it a thousand times. But what's really interesting about this, like, from a historical perspective, as you mentioned, we talked about Chuck Berry, we talked about Scotty Moore, and a lot of these guys are really heavily blues-influenced players mm. in the late 1950s that um, are just kind of speeding up blues. And even when you listen to Dick Dale's older stuff, like St. Louis Blues, which came out in 1960, it was two years before this. This is 1962. Wow. So. Okay. Um, it's, it's a little bit later than the stuff we've talked about so far, but there's a few things that are really important here, technically speaking, 
Um, he's combining sort of that really wet reverb from the rockabilly stuff. Yes. And this is, this is after his uh, Let's Go Trippin', which is 1961. And Let's Go Trippin' is really usually pointed to as like the first surf rock song. Um, mm. Has a similar vibe, really wet reverb. This brings in that element. Uh, it's a, the quality on this is a little bit better than Let's Go Trippin'. It's a little bit higher uh, resolution. And one of the things that really stands out is that really washy reverb. You know, the whole idea behind the surf rock thing is that reverb sort of emulates kind of the waves and the up and the down oh, that you get. Hey. And that's, that's why it's a big part of the music. The other thing that's really interesting about this is just that the alternate picking. A big thing that yeah. Dick Dale really brought in to the music, uh, particularly rock guitar, was this heavy emphasis on alternate picking. And the only way you get this is really with that tremolo picking. And mm. it was not a well-known technique at the time. It's not that it hadn't been done. It's not that any, nobody was doing it. But this is one of the things that really pushed it into popularity and made people realize, including people like Eddie Van Halen, that this was a possibility, that you could just go super fast on this. And the story behind it as well is kind of a funny thing because it came out of a bet. So there was a fan that bet him he could not play a song on only one guitar. And on only one string. Yeah, on one string. <laughs> on one string and one guitar. Uh, but what's interesting about it is, so Dick Dale actually came from a Lebanese background. So Lebanese, okay. his, his father and his uncle were Lebanese-American musicians. And he remembers seeing his uncle play Miserlou. So Miserlou is actually, it's a traditional Middle Eastern theme. Um, right. Okay. And it, uh, there's some dispute about exactly what it means. It essentially, it usually translates as Egyptian girl, whether or not that's entirely accurate, that's debatable and I don't really care. But it, it is a traditional Middle Eastern theme. And he remembers seeing his uncle play this on the oud, which is kind of a, it's like a lute and yeah. he played it all on one string and, wow, and okay. like the lute they use a pick for this as well and so that's kind of the inspiration behind this song and from a theory perspective too what's interesting about it is it incorporates some scales that would be at this point in time really unusual to american listeners and particularly american rock and roll listeners everything we've looked at like i said before heavily blues based and this, instead of a pentatonic scale, is introducing what's known as the double harmonic major scale. This is not, it's still not a super common scale. And w one of the things that we hear right out of the gate with this song is it sounds really Phrygian, but then mm. it has this, because it has that flat two on it, but we yeah. also recognize that major third in there. So, but what kind of flips the whole thing on its head is we have the flat six, and a natural seven. So it's this weird combination of a flat two, the major three, and the major seven. And you get what is a very unusual sound. And this was something that Dick Dale would kind of play around with a little bit more, bringing in elements of like Spanish music and other Middle Eastern scales um, that would be a little bit unusual for the standard American ear in the late 50s early to mid 60s when he really gained popularity. So he's bringing a lot of different elements that a lot of people pick up on later. Okay. And this is something that 
even guys like Steve Vai will go back and realize like this was a song, despite the fact all the other stuff that he was listening to kind of changed the way he thought about uh, how you compose on the guitar and music theory. Or if you look at some of the stuff that Jimmy Page does later on. So after uh, Led Zeppelin three, you can see the influence of bringing in these Middle Eastern scales. And Dick Dale is really one of those guys who opens that door and opens the floodgates for people to explore beyond the traditional major, natural, minor, and the pentatonic scale in rock and roll. So it's it's kind of a huge groundbreaking song, like I said, yeah. especially for 1962. And a lot of it, I don't think we, we necessarily think about because it's been around for so long. And it's just kind of, it's almost a wallpaper music in a sense to us, but it really changed the way people thought and played guitar from the scale perspective, from mm. the effects perspective, and from the right-hand technique perspective. It's, it's kind of a big deal. That's, that's great. I love that. That's, it's, <laughs> it's little spiels like that that make me really love doing this podcast and having these discussions. Because, no, because, like, I, you know... <laughs> the, like, 10-minute lecture. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> if, if, even if the listeners don't like it, I certainly get something out of it. I think it's, it's just because you have this, you have a, a better, like, knowledge of, of harmony than me. And, yeah, I've always thought that one of the things that really sets this apart from standard pop rock music is the use of of this really interesting scale that you would very because it does have that phrygian sound but it's not phrygian and this is me a man that's only learned what phrygian really means in the last couple of years um but yeah i think it's great um, but the thing is like misery is one of those songs a friend of mine played it in a cover band and I, we were living together at the time and he said it's it's people think it's really easy to play because it's just constant motion and it's not it's just in terms of the groupings and the timing and just the intensity of it all like it really is a, a difficult song correct me if i'm wrong but did dicktail was left-handed and he played a right-handed guitar up, upside down i think so basically where he would play the low e string we would play the high e string i think something like that yes um, um which is it's similar to um Freddie K or Albert King, sorry. Yes, yeah. All yeah. the kings. All the kings, <laughs> yeah. yeah it, which is super, you know, it's really confusing in my mind. Yeah. When, I see the, when I see those guys play and I watch videos of those guys play, I'm just like, I can't even, I can't even wrap my head around that. Like, it's so strange, but yeah. Yeah, I just, in terms of like, oh, I'm, I'm too lazy to restring a guitar. <laughs> I'm just going to do it this way. <laughs> right. And then, but it, but it basically is just the, the low E and the high E. And I think like, I have just so much to say about this song, but I can very I can think of very few songs that are so closely associated with the film soundtrack than this. Like this is everybody knows what this is from. Everybody knows the moment at the end of the diner in Pulp Fiction when this kicks in, and it's just like you get chills just watching it because it's just so perfectly fits with the badass early nineties Tarantino like aesthetic and feel. Um, and yeah, it's great. I, I think surf rock is a really under, you know, overlooked, underrated genre of music. It's, and, and it's right. It's, it's one thing that I've never really considered. All that sound is the reverb and it is that kind of wavy, uh, yeah. toing and froing, very like expansive, clean at the same time sound. Um, yeah, cool. Great, great work. That was a really Yeah, it, well, it's funny you mentioned clean on that too, because on the other side of this, some of the other people I thought about looking at were like Link Ray. Yeah, um, okay. Who really influ influential in terms of aesthetic and um, 
kind of sound, right? That mm -hmm. sound aesthetic where things are really kind of like he's really trying to crank things up and get it super gritty and get the amp to break up. But there's not a whole lot that's interesting in his playing. Not yeah. to say that he's not influential, but to be honest, like just going through his catalog, it's like, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> more of a tone thing really than a yeah exactly play. and really wrapping your head around that tone and kind of how he does that it, which is why he's influential but on the flip side of what guys like link ray are doing um and to i mean obviously it's two years before ray davies comes out with uh you really got me but uh you get a sense of kind of like i don't necessarily need that like, but what I, in order to showcase what I can do, I'm going to keep this clean. And then he works, he works a lot with Leo Fender in developing, like really pushing amplifiers and really figuring out like portable reverb and all this other stuff. Like, so super influential guitar player, kind of a, a neat little rabbit hole to run down and great, great little thing to talk about. Sweet. Yeah, no, great choice. Um, so, uh, Neely Brosh, uh, you, <clears throat> I, I, before our last podcast, I, I'd never heard of her as a player. And she was such a, a charming, enthusiastic guest when we had her on our original 2017. And, you know, lots changed since then. No, I'm joking. She's still as wonderful as ever. <laughs> um, uh, but she has done so much in the last few years. So Neely is an Israeli-American guitarist, I believe. Who, yes. uh, the last time we were chatting with her, she was performing as part of the Michael Jackson One show with Cirque du Soleil uh, in, in Las Vegas. And since then, God, she's, she's, she's been busy. Um, so she was, you know, I suppose she took time out of her schedule to sit down with us and talk some crap about guitars, and it, we were, it was a really engaging conversation. Um, John, before we 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 let the listeners in, uh, anything you'd like to share before we, we dive? No, right? I think let's just let's just jump into it. It was a great interview. Cool. Great. So everybody, we are joined with by um, Neely Brush, who uh, was one of our, I think, one of our earlier guests on the podcast. We were talking about how I think the last episode was 2017. And God, you've been busy. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Done a lot. So, um, so the last time, just to kind of refresh our listeners' memory, was uh, you, you, were, you were doing the Michael Jackson show with Cirque du Soleil and kind of getting involved with that and learning all the songs and mm. getting used to the pyrotechnics. And oh, wow. That really was in the beginning then, if you're saying yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you, and yeah, so since then, I mean, so, so much has happened. So I suppose the first thing to, to touch on was you've, you released a new album last year called Spectrum, which is, uh, you know, from having listened to it over the last few days, there's just, there's just so much going on there. And I suppose it really speaks to the amount of influences that have you know influenced your own original style i mean when you hear instrumental guitar album these days it's so easy to conjure an image of just shred but there is right. everything on there there's like flamenco there's some dance influence stuff and um, could you tell us a little bit about that and how you came to kind of being able to fit all those things into one into one album yeah yeah absolutely so um it, it was kind of like a, a you know the effect and not the cause in a way because i kept coming up with these songs, actually kind of during the time that we last talked, it was like around 2016, 2017, 18, that most of those songs came together. And what ended up happening was I was, you know, hearing music in my head as I hope to write usually, you know, and uh, it was just, you know, one thing in one style and another thing in another style. And I, I was definitely happy that it was all happening. I wasn't really sure exactly where it was coming from, 
But it was one of those things where one day it just hit me of like, oh my God, I don't think this is going to work on one album. You know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> but I don't want to, I didn't want to, you know, necessarily release stuff as singles, as, as, especially if it's like, you know, something so specific and so different would sure. seem kind of out of left field, you know? So over time, I kind of let it sit and I was like, you know what, Wh whatever, like whatever needs to happen will happen. I definitely want to release this music. It's not like I don't want it to see the light of day. You know, I, I was happy about the stuff that was coming together. And then it kind of started hitting me that, you know, whenever something comes up in a different genre or sounds to me like it should be in a different genre, there's always something in common with something else that I came up with in a different genre. Like no matter how many things or how, how different they seem, from one another, there's always something in common, whether it's a chord progression or, you know, a, a rhythmic pattern or just, you know, certain cliches of a style, or it, it could be like the instrumentation, you know. So all of a sudden I kind of realized that I'm like, I think I could string these together to kind of blend from, you know, one style to the next using whatever commonalities these two things have. And when I started thinking that way, I, I literally made lists of different sequences that the songs could be as they as I was writing them and there were a couple of different ways that I felt like I could have done it but I think what I ended up with made the most sense for the longest period of time which is what I why I stuck with it and in theory I haven't tried it but as I was coming up up with it I was like if this concept works you should be able to reverse the sequence of the songs and still have the same effect <laughs> just going like from you know from back to front instead of front to back yeah so um you know ho whoever like comes up comes to me and says like hey that you know that this title like really makes sense then i'm like okay great then i know that you know my job was not for nothing <laughs> so yeah. I mean, so even just talking about the last single, Strange, which, which wasn't on the album, I right. mean, that's, uh, first of all, the video with you going around Las Vegas, <laughs> like, it's it looked like a lot of fun to make. But right. also, I mean, like, it's essentially, it's almost like an EDM tune. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, could I ask, like, did you come up with that idea? Did you work with other people? I mean, it seemed like a, such a kind of like a fresh thing to be doing with the electric guitar that not a lot of people would be comfortable an area that not a lot of people would be comfortable straying into how did that come together uh well i mean i i definitely like a lot of edm and stuff and one of the things that always caught me about it was just there's a lot of catchy melodies you know and of yeah. course they're mm -hmm. keyboard melodies you know but so many of those djs they have to be really good writers if they want some sort of hook to be remembered and i always thought that was so awesome because it's those hooks are instrumental you know, and to me, I was always chasing after like, how do I make this hookier? How do I write a song that's catchier and poppier and all those things, you know? So whenever I would just hear one of those melodies in my head that really sounded like, well, this should be a keyboard melody, then to me, I'd rather feed the idea and, and go towards the direction that the music is, is asking me to. So what I do is I'll make a demo of the thing and then I'll send it to my producer, Alex Argento, who's a, an amazing keyboard player. And he's the one who right. understands, you know, how to make those sounds in a way that, that I don't because I'm, you know, not a keyboard player. But, you know, the right. idea and the direction is, is definitely there because I want to service the music. So, yeah, my, my shit is an afterthought in a way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, such but a change. Like, sorry, young go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say that's a really interesting point that it's uh, in both of these. It seems a big thing that you're trying to do is just really 
play towards the song and, and as you said yeah. service the music like really develop this idea of where the music wants to go instead of kind of strong arming it a little bit and going well no I'm a guitar player so this has to be on guitar absolutely you, you said it perfectly and that's always my goal you know because to me at the end like the music is what matters you know I don't want it to become some sort of like masturbatory tool for me to just like play some solos. I mean, everybody's already heard that and they hear that every week on Instagram. And it's like, there's already so much of that. It's fun, but like, you know, uh, it's not what I always listen to either. So. Yeah, yeah. of course. And sweet, sorry. I feel like I've been hugging all the questions. So. No, you well, <laughs> well, I was going to just say, I noticed the, uh, that this week you kind of mentioned you sort of this time of sort of everything being closed down because we're all sort of in lockdown mode again and with that said you said it's been a really great experience for you to kind of rediscover your love for music um and kind of where that came from so uh and some of that i'm wondering is some of that just kind of what you've been doing with your youtube solos that you've been doing is this a lot of your your influences that are kind of coming out and just a great opportunity to learn some of the licks that either you've learned before or maybe you've always wanted to, to learn, but you've never just sat down and taken the time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a big part of it. Um, just the fact that I have the time to play for myself, you know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's not something that I, and I mean, I'm blessed to not get a lot of time to do that normally, you know, but the last time I had the time, I was, I was actually very injured when I left Cirque. And uh, I didn't, I just was not able to spend as much time playing as I wanted to when I had the time. And so this in a way is kind of a blessing, you know, because no one's gonna give me the time to just, oh, just write and practice and play whatever you want. And, you know, just for me as a, as a player and as a musician, like I've had certain holes that I've really wanted to kind of fill, you know, fill the gaps and everything for a long time. And just getting the time to like focus on it you know, it's not necessarily the, the, the time always, but just the mental energy of not having too much other noise going on to be able to focus on, you know, mm. real practice. So with those gaps and real practice, like, do you mind kind of expounding on that a little bit? Like, how do you tackle that? When you see a, a gap in your playing, how do you identify it and what do you do about it? Um, I mean, uh, the identification doesn't seem like the problem. <laughs> 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 I mean, usually I know what's bugging me. I guess maybe maybe that's half the battle. I don't know. I, it's just like whatever catches my ears to be like, oh, I don't like the way this is going, you know. But um, for me, you know, I've really wanted to like go back and like really study the blues for a long time. And I've, mm -hmm. I've loved Stevie Ray Vaughan especially for years. And it's just one of those things that even though so much of a lot of people's playing is based on pentatonic flicks and you know we come from there and everything like there's so much to learn from those kind of greats you know what I mean that I just don't have the time to really um, delve into and that's been great and also you know doing it when I'm a lot more experienced is it, it hits my ears in a totally different way than it would have even like five years ago you know so yeah. just doing it at the right time and really being able to listen really closely with different ears is is making a difference in my life and i guess in a way i always like waited for that you know so yeah i mean that's actually been something that i've heard a lot of big players talking about i mean steve i talks about going back to the blues over and over again and paul gilbert like his last two or three albums have pretty much all he's been... great i mean they're both great blues players 
yeah, so, it's, it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I know, no, I know. And, and it's, I know. And it's one of those things that really just, I generationally, it does make me think about it. It makes me think like, okay, you know, like I didn't really grow up on the same players that they did just because I was born when I was, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I, especially now as you know, the older I get, the more I feel that I have a responsibility to still like know where I came from and there's a lot of things that are missing again, just because like, I can't help where I came from, you know, but now, like, I really feel like as the younger generation, like I really do have a responsibility to like, know what's going on. So, yeah. And like in part of that, so on, on your YouTube channel, I mean, you've, you've, you've covered, you covered Van Halen and you covered the, the girl gone bad, which is like underrated, like a, so a really... underrated. Yeah. Oh my I, it's so underrated that I forget it's underrated because I think not everybody's like in love with this. What are you talking about? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like that's such a great choice. I mean, and you've gone clips of Dover. You even did like, you know, an, an instru- uh, instrumental version of this is Halloween by Danny Elfman, who mm-hmm. we'll come back to. And you've been putting in some Stevie, Ray Vaughan stuff in as well I mean talking about learning other people's songs you know some people there are some real naysayers who will say that there's not a lot of you know there's only so much you can get from learning other people's songs and that you should focus on developing your own voice and why that is important would you be able to kind of maybe shed some light on what you've learned uh, from from learning these pieces and kind of breaking them down even the danger zone which is a great so, solo well Dan Huff is such a great player and like you oh know because he was such a session guy like people don't know the name so much of the time and I'm like dude was the is the best you know but um yeah you know I I've always been a big believer in playing other people's music because there's so much more of it <laughs> than you're probably ever right. gonna write you know no but I mean it, in all seriousness like it's not just the learning other people's vocabulary and ideas and inspirations and like of course like you know where are you where are you gonna come from you know like inspiration is so important and just for to me like to feed my soul of wanting to practice it's always been like i want to play what i like to listen to otherwise why am i going to want to pick up my guitar at least that's how it started for me but Mm -hmm. beyond that like just learning stuff by ear has taught me probably more than anything else has and it's something that i've logged if i had to think about my practice hours over the course of my life i've probably logged more hours doing that than anything else And I've never, I'll never regret that, you know, because that gives you so many other things beyond ear practice and, you know, and and just learning whatever solo or learning a lick or whatever, you know, it's really put together the instrument for me in so many different ways over so many period, you know, so many years. So compiled with, uh, with actually like learning the theory and understanding how everything works, it really puts things together and, and just the most blunt application. So I can't, I don't know. I I can't imagine living without it even now. So it's just the best textbook out there in a way, you know, (laughs) paying attention. I don't know. That's great. I mean, that's, that's, we've always recommended that, but I mean, in terms of, it's great to hear someone as accomplished as yourself, just kind of championing your training. I will always champion that like to the day I die. I really feel like that's where the bulk of what I know came from. And I've had, and it, you know what, I've had other people say it to me when I was growing up too. It's not like I didn't know, but I also know that that's the way that it was naturally natural for me is like, I just gravitated towards doing that. Not everybody is the same, you know? So I, mm-hmm. I understand that, but if it's a challenge, like all the more reason to really try and get after it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great advice. 
sweet. So, I mean, we touched there. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 was, I did a deep dive on your YouTube and oh, I came boy, across... I'm so sorry. No, <laughs> not be ashamed of it. Now. Um, I I came across this uh, really, just I, I forgot how good the song was. I think was you know everybody was it was spooky season and you did your cover of This Is Halloween, which is you know a, such a great song with so many different little hooks of it. The Danny oh, Elfman yeah. original um, from The Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, Halloween and Christmas movie, not not either. And uh, I just you know sorry, I just need to put that out there now. No, and, no, I, listen, I, I I'm not going to argue with you on that for sure. <laughs> So I mean that I suppose that leads into um, so you were you you appeared on Danny Elfman's last single which is called Happy and it's this kind of bizarre really kind of eccentric and only the way that Danny Elfman can be right. like yeah. this, this sort of tune and I suppose what was that like I mean the guy is I mean he wrote the Simpsons theme tune I know, <laughs> he wrote I know. you know this guy Oingo Boingo all this like this really colorful musical repertoire I mean what was that like would you be able to shed some light on that? I mean, D- Danny's amazing, you know, like I, I can't say enough nice things about him, especially like everything, <laughs> it's just going to sound so cliche, right? But like everything that you think that he is, he is like, he, he, he is exactly what he, what you see, you know? So, yeah. um, and for me, I guess actually going back to the ear stuff, um, strangely enough, you know, he's someone who likes to work in that kind of a way, you know, like if he, communicates an idea to me he'll grab his guitar and just kind of like jam it out and I'll pick it up and just record that you know right away so I think I think it was helpful that we both kind of have that way of working I always expected you know going to music school and everything I I always thought like I have to study all the little things and read really well and all these things so that if one day I'm blessed to be in the presence of someone like that, I can survive. And then you get there and you're like, he doesn't even want to work like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, it was such a pleasant surprise for, for both of us, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he's super like easy to work with and I, I'm, I've gotten used to learning music quickly and just being prepared for whatever I have to do. So that definitely makes things, uh, smooth you know makes it easier to just do whatever you need to do how did the uh how did how did you get involved in the project how did that come to be somebody recommended me that i didn't know and (laughs) i was like great (laughs) no seriously it was like one of those things where the phone rang after 10 p.m and i literally did that thing where it was like if it's a gig i'll you know, they leave a voicemail and it's never that, you know, and never <laughs> yeah. you say that. Yeah. It's always like some spam related to social security or something, <laughs> you know? Yes. And then I listen to the voicemail and my jaw is on the floor. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this isn't, this isn't real. But no, I mean, I still had to go and audition, of course, and everything. But, yeah. but just the fact that like somehow my name got to somebody who works with them that I'd never heard of. I was like, oh, that person needs a, like fruit basket real <laughs> like how do I get their address but um but yeah I mean like I said like it really like Danny is just so cool and so easy to work with that you know I can learn the songs and show up that's that's easy like you know so that's fantastic it's it's funny is there like, anything else you can tell us about the project right now yeah we're very well, curious we were I mean the whole thing I I, I think I can say this is like this was meant to be for Coachella. 
you know, like that was the gig uh, that I was going to do with him. And they had called me in January and I was the last band member to be hired. So I actually had one rehearsal with everybody else before we had to shut everything down. Oh, so it was man. really like the quickest, like here and then, okay, everybody go home. And it was really tough. It was like really heartbreaking as you can imagine for everybody. But, um, but I think also in a way it was a bonding experience and it helped me get to know the guys a little bit more. And, and I know that like, you know, it, it is meant to be a band and everything. So there is going to be more stuff happening as soon as, uh, as soon as it can, you know. Brilliant. That's, that's very cool. That. Yeah, I'm very, very, very grateful to that, you know, like, because because Danny doesn't have to treat it that way. But I think we all wanted to do it, you know, and the mm. reason that we couldn't at the time is beyond any of our control. So. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll, I mean, it would be great to even see something like that on the road. So I, I don't know if I, he well, plans to do that. That was, that was the idea. So. Oh, man. Well. <laughs> I'll buy I know. Well, that's, that's the funny thing you know I didn't think that like by the you know by the time I got hired and everything I didn't think it would take this long until like we'll get on stage together you know so as, as much as when I think about it, it it pains me but at the same time like I'm gonna know those guys so much better by then it's gonna yeah. be a totally different experience for everybody and that is something to really be grateful for because it would have all happened so quickly it wouldn't have been the same show you know so mm -hmm. I'd rather I've bonded with the guys and I, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be great when we can do it. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, that's really refreshing to hear uh, that, that sort of mindset because I mean, so many people have been, have lost gigs and tours and, you know, yeah. haven't been able to release stuff this year. And I suppose you taking it as a chance to kind of work on your skills and to develop those relationships um, like musically and professionally, like that's, that's, I, it's really, it's kind of inspiring to hear that. Well, I, I, I appreciate you saying that because I mean, I really do feel like because of that, that, that Danny kind of saved my life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's easy for me to say, cause that happened in 2020 and, and I always had that in the back of my mind, but you know, it would have been a lot harder to stay inspired, of course, you know what I mean? So. Mm. Absolutely. So I suppose in, in terms of like your, your playing for the, for the foreseeable future, I mean, have you any other things in the pipeline that you'd like to talk about or any, any, I'm writing a lot now, Great. you know, just because like I said, I, you know, have time. So I'm definitely trying to make sure that proper time goes into that. Um, I definitely want to start releasing more stuff as singles just so that yeah. the music gets out there quicker. You know, I may still compile it into an album later on because I still believe in records and I still feel like, I write batches of songs that yes. end up being records and that's just how it is to me. But, um, but I do want to get the music out there quicker. I mean, when I released Estranged, it was the first time that I released something that still sounded new to me and wasn't like yeah. five years old to me or whatever. And that was a completely different experience. So I kind of want to uh, gear more towards that. I got that buzz going again. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, understandable. I suppose just over the last few months, if I suppose we, we can we can wrap this up early, but I mean, over the last few months, you've kind of really, really spent some time with the guitar. Are there any real takeaways or kind of like pearls of wisdom that you've kind of discovered over the last few months that you'd maybe like to share with our listeners? I mean, I don't know if there's anything that is like some new groundbreaking thing that no one's ever heard before. But, you know, it's funny because when I was growing up, like, I've always been so serious about what I do and, and mm. a lot of stuff around it too, that, um, you know, I've met a lot of people that for them, the guitar has always been an escape and everything. And it's not like I didn't understand what that means, but for me, it, it has 
caused anxiety and stuff too, you know, because I, I've cared. So now I really feel like I'm getting to the point where I, because I can spend so much time, I'm like really channeling, I'm like really connecting with like, hey, this is just fun. And like, it's not meant to be this thing that I have to worry about all the time. Like, it's okay to just spend time with the instrument and enjoy it for like, just really what it is. So I'm trying to stay coming from that place, you know? That's great. I mean, that's even just that idea of getting back to enjoying it. That's such a big thing. It's, it's, it's important, you know, and it's, it's more important, I think, to me in times where I'm really busy because it can really seem like work. So scheduling mm -hmm. time to just play for myself has always been important. But the idea of doing it like kind of full time in a way is, is almost like it's just like kind of too good to be true. <laughs> so. Brilliant. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Great. John, anything else you'd like to add? I, I think this has been great. It's been been great to catch up and yeah, see what you're up to. And uh, yeah, you you certainly have been busy in the last three years. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I mean, Cirque especially, especially since I talked to you guys in the beginning. I mean, that got so crazy. I did almost 700 shows with them, and I it would have been it would have been like close to a thousand if I hadn't been getting injured so much, you know. But that's why <laughs> because it's like that load is is a crazy thing to ask of someone who isn't really an athlete you know and yeah those guys yeah. have so much mileage on them it's you know thousands and thousands of shows under their belts it's so insane it's so insane it. yeah who knows so. what you know who knows what the next like our next interview three years from now will <laughs> know what you want well from your god's ears what can i tell you it's it's definitely not an interview i thought i'd be doing today so i appreciate that yeah, yeah. We well you. hopefully we'll be able to catch up with you when you guys are on tour too so that would be a blast that would so. be a blast again like the sooner that can happen like i i just can't wait to like be doing the normal thing again and seeing people for real and all the good stuff yeah. I know yeah. we all miss it. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but yeah, <laughs> it'd be, it'd be good to see gigs happening again. That's for sure. So, yeah. well, thank you for, for keeping the spirit alive. Very <laughs> <laughs> best. We kind of get a little bit sidetracked every now and again. And like, <laughs> it happens to the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. We'll, we'll, we'll be in touch uh, with, with everything. And oh. yeah, if, um, yeah, if, if sweet. So yeah, Neely Brush, everybody, um, little little applause. Uh, yeah, God, I just I it, <laughs> something about just chatting with her about music and her rediscovering her love of playing during the lockdown. It's just I think I said it in the interview, but it's really refreshing because she really she's really been like going back. Uh, going over her techniques, really like trying to fine tune like, her weak points, like a real, real inspiration in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciated that as well. Uh, just reconnecting with the instrument. I appreciate her perspective as just being, you know, as a professional guitarist, I think sometimes either as a, as a hobbyist, or maybe this is, this is part of your, your side gig or whatever, or just you take things way too seriously. Sometimes like, Self. I mean, granted, it is part of my job to continue to practice, um, but sometimes it's difficult to take time out and practice something that is fun for you to play. So whether that's, you know, keeping up on a particular technique or something that you're interested in, it's what she's done with her YouTube stuff of just like, these are solos I love to play. 
or these are artists that uh, really inspired me and I'm gonna learn some of my favorite songs by those artists. Uh, I think that's just, a, it's a great approach. It, as she said, it's really refresh, or it's a, it's a good way to remind yourself why you started playing in the first place. Yeah. And, and yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, and, and yeah, I mean, these are some songs that I'd never heard of before, like her doing this. Like I'd never heard Decadence Dance by Extreme. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. She does, but she does like the full oh, cover. No, no. Yeah. We, we will have to talk about, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, in, in a few episodes time, but he, the, the dude's a God, but I, I'd never heard the song before. And she does a full song playthrough of every little bit. Every fill is just perfect. Every, yeah. And it's, it's a tough song from start to finish. So yeah, that was, that was really, really cool to just do a deep dive into, Oh, these are guitar heavy songs that i've never heard before and her youtube is a great place to check out some of that stuff yeah absolutely so thanks again neely thanks for taking the time again it's we're not worthy on to, <laughs> to see you in three years yeah <laughs> right in 2023 um sweet so john what have you been working on the old powerful oh. question yeah well that because it was kind of like i said it was inspiring to hear neely talk about just rediscovering things that you're interested in. So just kind of going back and finding some songs, mostly riffs. I've talked about, you know, making a list of riffs or stuff like that, but just the riff list. finding some of that. Um, and then just kind of trying to, to hone my right hand technique a little bit. So going, actually going back over some of Troy Grady's videos and really rethinking a little bit about how I approach my right hand. So it's, it's hard to sort of nail that down into one thing, but um, that's that's kind of my general thing this week. So that's yeah, and, I yeah yeah I I think it's just that's that's great. That sounds really good. I don't know if I I look at you as being such like an a you know accomplished guitar player, and at the level that you're at, I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to that stage. But it's <laughs> it's it's great just to hear you like going back and like, okay, well, I can fine tune this as well, and that's you know it's it's never stop learning kids um yeah, that's the goal yeah it's it's that thing like the ex the expert is never an expert you know what i mean um that that Absolutely. idea as for myself i, I so <laughs> having conquered hot for teacher finally and putting it on my instagram i'm like okay cool i can i can do something else and um, yes for those who can't see it which yeah! is none of you uh, John just threw up the devil horns as a sign of respect, which warmed my heart. Um, so yeah, I, I so in keeping with my ear training, I um, have started trying to break down a few pop songs um, to basically kind of like get my chops up in terms of transcribing. And I don't know if I talked about this on the last episode, but there's a couple of, um, we were talking, we've talked before about you trying to transcribe Mariah Carey vocal parts. And Oh, yes. Yeah next to impossible and so i want to do something similar because i don't know as a way of like trying to figure out what the kids are listening to as well so i've been transcribing a few ariana grande songs and Oof. for a, an upcoming instagram series which i'm going to call guitariana grande and <laughs> i'm sorry i have to <laughs> uh, but it's crazy some of the stuff like one of the things you really respect what she does as a singer because Though she, though her songs have a very straightforward uh, structure in terms of like verse, pre-chorus, chorus, the little vocal inflections that she sticks in are just incredible in terms of like keeping within a key and doing really interesting stuff. And then transcribing that to the, the guitar in terms of slides and bends and vibrato, it's yeah, it's been really interesting. But 
also really challenging because this isn't like learning a Kirk Hammett solo or uh, it's uh, more technical I think because a lot of these are in awkward keys as well that you wouldn't be used to playing for sure so yeah so that's been fun and yeah just work on my way through Paisley which is you know great but I think that the whole thing we've talked about it before just doing five minutes a day is like sorry not five minutes a day but like if you have like half an hour a day breaking it into a few five minute chunks so that you're working on something right now it's hard to focus on anything for extended periods of time so yeah Yeah. five minutes here five minutes there that's how it's working for me and i'm not going to beat myself up about it if i don't if i don't spend any longer right well and you'd be surprised i mean particularly when it comes to working on a technique um you know we've talked about sweep picking and hybrid picking and stuff like that if you have a lick or an exercise that you can do inside of that five minutes you know that that really five minutes goes a long way to building your technique yeah and it, and it doesn't seem like it but if you do it day in and day out i mean in a short amount of time you will pick up a lot of speed or a yeah, lot 100%. of you know dexterity whatever it is you're going for so you know yeah I, and i i i know it's a really really overused buzzword these days but i think like thinking about what you're doing on a, on a a daily basis and if you find yourself with five minutes to spare being able to dedicate it to something like that as opposed to just scrolling you know uh, just thinking about or just even like if you're walking and you're waiting waiting for waiting to meet someone probably not the best example but you know just like (laughs) because you just carry your guitar everywhere no but i mean like even (laughs) using it to to listen to new music or using Mm, it to mm -hmm. you know try and figure out vocal you know, melody or like i'm trying to do a little bit more writing so if i can come up with one little melody it doesn't even have to have chords or whatever uh vocal melody that i can just stick in my phone and come back to when i have time um i'm gonna have some time off for christmas and hopefully we'll just get to this big stockpile of little stupid vocal melodies in my phone it's it's, it's just having something like that and being mindful of the time that you have and using it in a way that you know you don't feel better after going on twitter you just feel worse so uh yeah. yeah sorry rant over um but yeah that's that's just my kind of takeaway on it um but yeah i think i've got like half an hour after we finish so i'm gonna maybe sit down and play some guitar because it's fun again and i've got a new guitar arriving tomorrow so i'm very much looking forward to that yes um, yeah definitely interested to talk about that soon so yes we'll, we'll put it up on instagram um sweet so yeah i suppose we we've gone through you know we've got a few more guests in the pipeline coming up and don't want to say anything until they're you know confirmed but yeah th- thanks very much for for checking in guys we, we really appreciate it and thanks again to neely uh yeah there's you know we're we're, we're gonna keep chugging along we enjoy doing this we hope you enjoy listening to it um i have nothing else to say follow us on instagram you can check us out on patreon we've got a couple of new episodes up there and yeah chuck in a book if you if you have a book to chuck <laughs> and uh yeah if you have any requests for topics to talk about uh, hit us up at sharpen that at gmail.com or just on the socials um, which we try and update regularly as best we can uh john's typing He's, he's, he's emailing us with a topic. Um, <laughs> John, have you anything to add before I say our beloved catchphrase? No, just... No, no. you never do. Stay sharp, everybody. No. <laughs> Talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>